Hello, I'm Will Yeoman and welcome to another episode of the pod, Well Travelled, where I'm joined not only by travel editor Stephen Scarfield, but by travel journalist Moens Johansson, who is finally back. He's deigned to come back. He's decided he will come back to Australia after his uh, Mediterranean cruise, more of which are non. We're also going to catch up with the Brisbane Festival Artistic Director, Louise Betsina. She's a fascinating figure. She also kicked off the the Bleach Festival, the Gold Coast uh, Festival, which some listeners will have heard of. And that's a very much a site-specific um, festival, and it's grown to be something really tremendous. And that will lead into a broader discussion about festivals, regional festivals uh, here and in other states and indeed the world, and, and why that they're really destinations for a lot of people. People will go to another state, another city, another country specifically to enjoy a festival. But in the meantime, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Will. <laughs> You'd already fallen asleep, hadn't you? <laughs> we're so polite. We're both waiting for one another. I think. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Will. That's un- that's unlike <laughs> that's unlike you to be polite. That's that's. <laughs> I know. <unheard> of. <laughs> I know. Nice to have you. Nice to have you back, Mo. Oh, it's nice to be back. Nice to be how, back. Even how though it was a tough was trip, trip home. <laughs> how was the trip home? Oh, it was. Uh, you know, I had mixed, had some moments where I. Uh, particularly towards the end where I was sort of uh, a little bit uh, disappointed with the outcome. But uh, oh, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to talk, <laughs> talk us through that one. Well, I mean, um, I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> the uh, I was Basically, uh, I, had a, I had a pretty long uh, and uh, a longer than usual trip back. I uh, had an extra stop. Uh, it involved going from uh, Athens to Dubai and then Dubai to Singapore and Singapore to Perth, which in itself is, is not too bad. Uh, the main disappointment I had, I guess, or a uh, little hiccup we had was uh, when we arrived in Perth, it was uh, kind of a, a little bit arduous from there on. Uh, it, it took me about two and a half hours to get off from the moment we landed in Perth until I uh, was outside my house here in Shelley, which is only sort of 15 minutes from the airport. Um, but, and basically, I mean, it, it sort of revolved around the, uh, mainly around the luggage getting off the aircraft. Uh, it took sort of an hour and 10 minutes before any of us even saw our bags. Um, and uh, then following that, uh, there was, we arrived at the domestic terminal for some unknown unknown reason uh, and, uh, and then of course when you get out there just after or well it was well after one o'clock by then in the morning uh, there's no taxis <laughs> so there's a long queue for taxis so that that was in a nutshell what it was all about it, it's frustrating for travelers because planes are scheduled I mean it's no surprise when the, the plane turns up because it was always going to exactly yeah yeah so yeah, it's just pretty frustrating when you're standing there. Although, you know, we do understand the the wider problems, the global well, global problems. What I'm sort of struggling with at the moment, I suppose, is that as you know, in my travel editor's chair, is that it it's disparate. You know, um, I've just been talking overnight to someone who's flown uh, Perth, Sydney, LA, New York, and had absolutely no problems. You know, every connection was, and some of the connections were pretty tight. I was a bit concerned, like two and a half hours is a pretty tight international collection, 
was talking, you know, last week, wasn't it, about flying to UK, and that was fine. Mm. And then you get these odd things. I've just been dealing with another person who, who sort of has flown Perth, Singapore, and was flying onto London, but it was overbooked, but had already got a boarding pass. Yeah, it's kind of these odd cases where where it goes wrong. It's just an absolute mess. So, where, so you um, say, what you're saying is where it goes wrong, it goes wrong big time. Yeah, but a lot of it's still right. You know, I, I yeah. say, you know, I don't think it's fair to, for us to be, you know, necessarily right for me to be publishing stories saying it's all disaster. No, of course it's not. Because it's not. No. My guess would be that 80, 85 percent of people are travelling completely normally. I'm just heading off to France. You know, the connections in Dubai, and I arrive in Nice. Yeah, but I mean, can I, if I can just add that uh, in in my travels uh, recently, you know, I've been through Singapore and Dubai and a few other airports, and and there's been been no issues. It was really, you know, just a hiccup here in Perth uh, on on this particular occasion. But uh, it it I, I guess uh, you know. What you were saying, Stephen, uh, in your dealings with with other people, that uh, you know, when when it does go wrong, if you if you miss a flight or you are over or you like bumped off a flight, it becomes a big problem because everything is just chockers at the moment. That's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is that you know, if it goes wrong, it's it's a big mess. But most of it's still going right. Mm. Now, now yeah. Steve, Stephen, you, you, you mentioned earlier on that Jeffrey Thomas is going to write um, a wonderful piece for us this weekend that offers some really good advice. Yeah, Jeffrey Thomas, who you know really is, I'm, I'm going to say he's the most awarded aviation writer in the world, which mm. I think I think I think he actually is. Mm. Yeah, um, Jeffrey's writing a piece for us uh, as our aviation editor, uh, explaining why all this is happening. And um, in brief, that is because, you know, over the last two years, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people have been laid off mm. and from the aviation industry. And a lot of them have moved into other industries and they're not going back into aviation. And a lot of 60-pluses have, people have retired, um, which is true of you know, lots of industries. I mean, it's the same, for example, with travel agents where I, I think I could, well, I know I could name you half a dozen travel agents who are now mortgage brokers and are not going in to be travel agents again. So it's very difficult to recruit travel agents who work very hard for, frankly, often not, not a huge amount of money mm. um, and have to have the experience to, to be able to book, you know, book complicated holidays for people. So lots of, lots of, Lots of sectors of the travel industry are having this problem, but Jeffrey has five. Jeffrey, I, I'm, I attribute all this to Jeffrey Thomas. It's, it's not my my work, and he knows more than me on these subjects. But he's got five strategies for um, minimising your chances of being disrupted on flights. Uh, I'll run through those. One is to pick off peak times of travel, such as midweek, if you can. Mm. Second, to choose the, the first flight of the day to debate or arrive, not the last, you know, because when, as we've said, when things start to go wrong, they sort of snowball. So choose the first flight of the day to depart or arrive. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the red eyes, actually. I always have been. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sentence you don't often hear. <laughs> <laughs> just, thought I'd, just thought I'd throw that one in there. Really? Oh, God. Well, that means um, you're never late. 
you know, it's true. this is a disaster. Um, you know? <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> All right, uh, sorry, I interrupted. Regional, no, no, no. Choose regional airports if you can. Mm. And I think this is, say, in the UK, you know, you can be landing in Birmingham or Manchester or uh, in one of Scott airports in Scotland um, and avoid throw. So certainly if you're traveling to the UK, that's a very good idea to choose regional airports. Uh, don't travel during school holidays if you can arrange to take your kids out of school if you've got kids, um, which I think we've, lots of us have always tried to do. Mm. Try and avoid airport hubs that are near or over capacity, such as London, Heathrow and Sydney. So, I mean, those two in particular for us uh, as you know, travellers out of out of Western Australia are have always you know, have long been kind of hotspots, particularly Sydney Airport. Um, for example, I'm flying to I'm actually taking a group with me to Antarctica uh, fairly soon, and we're going via Auckland um, to South America. So we'll fly Auckland, um, San Diego, Buenos Aires, uh, and go that way. Which you know, so op- that to kind of firstly level up the legs of your flights but the main reason for that was to avoid Sydney you know mm, so mm. if you if it's a clever way to do something like that and certainly from well, we'll talk mass just by Auckland and then into the States Singapore into the States mm. but you know finding alternative routes like Auckland or if you're going to the east coast of America Perth quite the Middle East Dubai or Qatar and into New York or Boston for example so just kind of look for look for um, clever ways to avoid those um, hotspots. Yeah, they all sound not, eminently sensible. None of which is going to help Moans standing at that conveyor belt. No, unfortunately <laughs> at, not. At midnight, passing and passing and passing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and right. shivering at the taxi rank outside yeah. later, you know, all yeah, that but, sort of stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> you're handsome. I mean, you know, how good a time did you have in Europe? Uh, you know, that made up, you know, it was, it was only a small hiccup. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, look, I, I do say to people, I had this conversation with, uh, with another, well, a conversation over email with another reader who mm. contacted me saying that they were stuck somewhere and mm. they were in a queue waiting for vouchers and what to do about this. And I said to them, sometimes, you know, things just go wrong. And what you have to do is throw money at it. So you just got to forget the queue, forget the voucher. Just go to a good hotel, wait for them to text you to say they've got a seat on another plane, which might be 24 hours. You know, mm. but you've got to figure that into your thinking is just to be comfortable. So just walk away from it, you know, and wait for it all to calm down and then come back and get on a plane. Well, it sounds very like good, very good advice. advice, as advice. Well. Indeed. You know, if you've got. <laughs> If you've got 400 people queuing for a voucher you know, and then getting on a bus and going to some, oh, I don't know, you know, look, it's all too, it's, I said I'd rather just get the hell out of there and come back when it's all, when it's all played out. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Now, like, I reckon at this point we should bring in uh, Louise Betsina because um, some listeners might be thinking of heading over to Brisbane in September because that is when the um, Brisbane Festival is kicking off, and then we'll have a little bit of chat, a bit of, bit of chat about Brisbane actually, yeah. Stephen, and other things um, after I've spoken to Louise. So here we go. Yeah, love it. 
Okay, so Louise, welcome to the Pod Well Travelled. Thank you. I feel very uh, honoured to be here. <laughs> That's very kind on of this you. Program. <laughs> now, your I think it's your third Brisbane festival is about to kick off in early September. Is that correct? Yes, it is indeed. Amazing. And uh, before that, you did such tremendous work on the Gold Coast with Bleach. And, and that sort of leads us into, I guess, the main topic that we're interested in as a podcast which likes to encourage people to travel, specifically for arts-based things, if I can be a little bit biased there. Um, this idea of, of an international arts festival that is nevertheless very much rooted in place. And so it does draw on local experiences, local culture as well. Yeah, look, I i mean, that's something I'm incredibly passionate about and have built my practice really in, I think, mm. and that really came to fruition through the Bleach Festival, as you mentioned. Uh, and the reason I think it's such a, a, an excellent way to anchor a city festival is that it just gives you such a unique distinction and sets you apart from everything else that you do because nobody else can represent your city in the way that you can in your own city. And mm. so, therefore, it's a real window into the community, the nuance, the landscape, the stories, and that is quite uh, a unique opportunity as a traveller to a place to see it through the lens of artists. And I think there's something quite magical about that. No, absolutely. So for you, I mean, what, what, what is distinctive about, well, let's say Queensland, let's broaden it a bit, that, that sets it apart from not only other states in Australia, but elsewhere in the world? Yeah, well, I mean, Queensland is very unique. I mean, every state is mm. and, and every part of, of the world is, but, and Queensland's very diverse. So what I would say about Brisbane is very different to uh, someone experiencing Cairns, for example. Sure. But I think that an overarching feel of Queensland that you would get no matter where you go in the state is of friendliness and openness, a young spirit, I think. There's a, a real sense of being out in nature, mm. experiencing the beautiful landscapes that we're blessed to have, whether it's coastal or more from a hinterland point of view or, in fact, even further west. And so then what that conjures up from an artistic point of view are enormous possibilities. But I think that sense of uh, laid-back playfulness is something that's very distinctive about Queensland. And I think it's a strength and it's something that shouldn't be you know, shouldn't be something that we shy away from. I think it's something to celebrate. And so then how you bring that out in a festival context uh, is really up to well, the festival director and, mm. and the artists in which are being engaged to make work that's either specific to the place or how you curate a program that suits the personality of the city as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess part of that is how do you balance the um, the needs and interests of the community in a very grassroots level that is more often than not non-professional right through to the, the, the biggest and most lauded international acts? Yeah, it's a challenge without a doubt, but there's really, really wonderful ways in which that can happen. For example, a lot of really amazing international work can be participatory focused mm. and so there's an opportunity for participation so for example there's two projects in this year's Brisbane Festival uh, one is by a Canadian company based uh, yeah based in Canada I just said that mammalian <laughs> diving reflex and the mm. company does the most extraordinary social impact work 
And so in Brisbane, in this context, they're going to be working with young people and creating a, a, a program called Night Walks with Teenagers where anybody who wants to can go on a, a, a beautiful guided walk of the inner city through the lens and through the eyes of young people from Brisbane. Mm. And so you've got a really, really internationally acclaimed theatre company that have been presented in major festivals all around the world working at that really grassroots uh, social, socially aware level. And, and again, you're getting to see Brisbane through a completely different lens in the evening, meeting the teenagers, hearing from them. So there's really interesting ways in which that can be done uh, without it feeling parochial as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and there's a balance. But, you know, that, that just comes down to how you ensure that, you know, there's lots of touch points across the program. Now, you've spoken about the personality of, of the place and clearly the personality of the artistic director. When you're thinking <coughs> about your audience, th that's another sort of balancing act, isn't it? You obviously, it, it's part of what you do as an individual and, and you want to impart that flavour, but, but by the same token, you have to be very aware of the different segments of your audience as well, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's hard to separate your own personality, I think, sometimes. Mm. Um, but... It, it's not. It's not my. Ta it's not all my taste in the program. So mm. that because that obviously would be quite, quite niche and, and wouldn't have many dimensions to it. But <laughs> this needs to be a broad program. And uh, but what I guess I bring to it, being from Queensland, and I'm the first artistic director of the Brisbane Festival, who's actually from Queensland, oh, is obviously amazing. a really mm. yeah yeah. It is amazing, and I'm really proud to be in this role. But it does bring a sense of, I think, pride, but also a sense of great knowledge because I know the city so well um, and I've grown up here, I've got children here, I've been to university here, mm. I've travelled the world and come back, lived in other insight into a place that I think sets you up for great success. But then in saying that, it's how you constantly consider all the different parts of the community because there's many, many parts of the community that I don't connect with on a daily basis. Mm. And so how do we reach them? And uh, I personally believe that a maid should sh try at least uh, to showcase and engage with as many, many people from that city as possible. And then at the same time, find a way to have an attractive program that people would travel for, that people would think, okay, that's that's something I've got to see that, it's, mm. whether it's a blockbuster that everybody's talking about, whether there's hype because of a certain artist involved, or whether there's some kind of curiosity that's built from it. And that's quite a trick in itself because it can be difficult um, depending on where, which path you go. I mean, a blockbuster is a sure thing, mm. but there's other ways in which you can do that, but it might be more of a slow burn as opposed to just that big one hit that um, fills every hotel room, which, of course, <laughs> is something that we all want to strive for as well. Well, I guess that's, that's not a bad strategy, though, is it? Like you have your big sort of headline acts, and that sort of gets them there. And then clearly they're there. They're going to be staying for a few days, presumably, and they have a look at the rest of the program, and there might be other stuff that they're not that familiar with, but they're going to say, you know what, this looks really great. I'm going to give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, I think that that's exactly right. It's just the trick then, I personally think, how you choose those headline acts. Mm. What does it say about your festival? Yes. Is it a disconnect to your city? Is it the right fit? 
is, you know, how has it been considered in, in the broader context? Um, and, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, though. It's how you actually attract people from outside. I mean, the, the interesting thing about Brisbane is that with the Olympics in 10 years' time, I think they're at a global level than than within Australia because Brisbane's a well-known mm. big city. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, you know, Curious. Well, yeah, exactly. Now, you've spoken already about one of these amazing acts and, and clearly we, we do want to encourage people to travel over to Brisbane. So what are some of the other headliners that you can uh, tell us about which people might think, wow, I'm, I'm jumping on the next plane. Well, not the next plane, but in time for early September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great question. And, you know, the thing that I would highly encourage people to be engaging with if they're travelling to the Brisbane Festival is the Brisbane Art Boat, which is a new creation, and it is a artist-led, but it's a site-specific work, which means basically it's been created specifically for the site being the Brisbane River, and the okay. Brisbane River is the spine of the city. And so, for me, apart from our big fireworks display, that is such a quintessential part of the Brisbane Festival. We needed something else. And so I came up with this idea of this floating artwork that's immersive, that you can travel uh, the city on, experience a beautiful sculptural piece. In addition, uh, there's a, a performance program that responds to the artwork. It has a bar. There's a midnight cruise. There's a dawn cruise. There's a meditation program that's all linked back to the art that I'm talking about. Mm. Has been commissioned by Lindy Lee, who is an incredibly famous visual artist from Australia, who has an international reputation. And this is going to be an experience. Her incredible artwork as you travel the Brisbane River, being immersed in her gorgeous sculptures that are called the spheres mm. and you can get completely lost in them. There's a gorgeous lighting design. So I would highly encourage anyone traveling to the Brisbane Festival to number one experience the art boat. Mm. Um, that's a must. <laughs> Other events, like I think that um, that I would, um, and there's a wonderful full theater program, but I, I, that I have no doubt will um, be part of any itinerary. There's dance, music, theatre, circus. Mm. But from a unique place-based point of view, I would also recommend our Raise the Roof program, which is a new program for the festival this year. And I created it because I wanted to celebrate all of the rooftop bars that are popping up around the city. It's this kind of wonderful way to kind of reach for the stars, look up, have this sense of optimism, uh, a sense of utopia, and each of them are completely different in their style and their energy, and they, they've been taken over by a fabulous artist. And so you're completely immersed in their world uh, on this rooftop. So, again, a really great way to discover Brisbane, a great way to have a really, really joyous experience, something that is unlike everyday life at a rooftop bar. The whole idea is that you're completely <laughs> transported into another world. Mm. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, and, of course, our festival garden, BOQ Festival Garden at South Bank. This is the hub of the festival. It's the heartbeat. There's a full program, lots of installations, uh, you know, beautiful performances taking place, a big smoking ceremony to open the festival. Uh, and, and so that's a really great 
anchor point, I would say, for anyone travelling to the Brisbane Festival. Oh, that's incredible. Well, thank you so much for talking about those. And it, it, it sounds like you're really just scratching the surface because it is just looking at the website, which um, we should give people the details for, shouldn't we? Uh, let me go back to where I was before. Yes. Brisbanefestival.com.au. Now, you guys kick off on the 3rd, oh, sorry, the 2nd. 2nd of September, second, yes. right through the 24th. But it looks like you've got a few little bits and pieces going on leading up to that. Is that right? Yeah, look, yes. a few things. I mean, there's dance halls, the big community workshop program yes. that's happening across the city has kicked off. The Spiegel tent has actually already opened. Mm. Uh, we've got Maho Magic in action. But it definitely, there's some previews happening for some of our big new theatre programs. But to the 24th is the festival is date the time, and yes. that's when all the action is on. And, I, and if anyone does, you know, come over, I would suggest also checking out our Brisbane Serenades program because this is where you get to the nuance and the personality mm. of various suburbs across the city with really wonderful big free programs that are going to be uh, an excellent engagement, connection, fun uh, but, you know, incredible artists at the helm of all of them. So another really excellent thing to do while you're travelling to Brisbane. Yeah, totally. It's fantastic. I love those programs that sort of showcase, you know, the, the, the not-so-obvious tourist, you know, destinations because then you get a feel for, for the real Brisbane, don't you? That's right. And I think that that's obviously – I mean, someone was telling me recently that that's the difference between a tourist and a travel mm. The tourist just goes to the key – highlights that are listed um, mm. but a traveller goes a bit deeper and I hope that Brisbane Festival offers people the opportunity to be more than a tourist <laughs> to be a traveller <laughs> like embed themselves yeah, yeah. definitely a festival for travellers yes <laughs> okay Louise well look thank you again so much for your time good luck with everything I hope oh to you're get, welcome I hope to thank get over you there. Um, but in yes the meantime, it would be wonderful yeah. to have you here good luck thank you so much for okay. being well travelled Yeah, look, fascinating conversation and really interesting what she was saying, Stephen, about, um, you know, the, the idea of festivals being very much of a place as well. They're not just international things. A lot of people think these are big international festivals that are bringing the world to us, but it's also the other way around, isn't it? It's showing the world what, what you might have in your location. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I find this shift very interesting because the old, well, you know, you know better than me. I mean, for the audience, Will is the artistic director of the York Festival and for four years was the um, director of Writers Week so Will knows more about festivals than, than I ever will but um, I think you know say 30 years ago festivals were about bringing in international acts you know mm. sort of pre, pre-internet and streaming and everything else really um, but now we see so much of the world all the time that it is as important you know Probably the emphasis is on is on the sort of sense of place in festivals, mm. and I, I compare that oddly, as it may sound, with botanical gardens. You know, over the same time frame, so you go there and see all these amazing plants from Africa and South America. But of course, when people come, for example, to Kings Park here in Perth in West Australia, or what other, you know, or to other botanical gardens, I mean, you want to see the local flora. Absolutely. Because we all travel and we all see so compared with 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. Um, you know, 50 years ago, Botanical Gardens 
the African plants, mm. but now we want to go to a botanical garden and see our local plants. I think the same with festivals. Um, there are a real chance to showcase, to bring in international talent, which, you know, sort of fertilizes the local scene and, you know, locals, local performers certainly, you know, benefit from international contacts like mm, that. No, 100%. But, yeah. um, you know, do you, do you agree? I mean, uh, the next level is something like the York Festival, Will, which, you know, has a you know, incredible sense of place, but you spoke on Sunday at an, at an event we did about, um, you know, the importance of bringing in a few big acts from elsewhere, but then concentrating on locals. Well, exactly. You're right, Stephen, and I think that that's a, a big thing because a lot of these festivals um, grew, grew out of that you know, sense of place, that the community was very much community-based and York is, is no exception. And I think um, the big thing about York, of course, it's, is its uh, First Nations culture, the, uh, the Indigenous people there, you know, the, uh, the Beladong Noongar. So to make sure that they're at the heart of the program in terms of the cultural tours, you know, river walks, um, workshops, whether you're going to be, you know, making tools or storytelling, I think that's so important because there are still so many people, you know, that don't know much about that culture. It's not just um, interstate visitors, yeah. but it's people like us, you know. So, and then as you say, to bring in some bigger sort of interstate acts to, to and I love your word, to fertilise, um, and cross-fertilisation cross is actually even better, um, and really offer yeah. a vibrant experience no matter where you're from. So you're absolutely right, Steve. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the whole conversation in Australia this week is about um, giving these, you know, ancient culture, giving Indigenous voice. Well, exactly. Uh, we just heard from the Prime Minister at, the, at Gama over the weekend as well. Um, yeah, exactly right. And, um, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, but at a very local level, which is where it works best, mm. in my opinion, mm. uh, you, you'll get voice to that story in York through the festival. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that's that, something that's so important. That process is already happening, you know, mm, which is interesting. Mm, mm. No, you're absolutely right. But I, hey, look, I want to I must say, I, I want, No, so go on. You go first. Well, I was just going to say briefly, while, while we, because, you know, we're thinking about Brisbane, I, I had a tremendous time there. I've got a piece coming on Shopping in Fortitude Valley. I did so see we do that. Have, I, I read that piece ahead of its publication. Mm. Yeah, just amazing makers. And it's not so far removed from what we've been talking about because lots of local. Um, in in this new area, Fortitude Valley, um, and some great little streets there, full of local local designers. So that coming up too. Um, Moans, can I, I just wanted to bring you in. I mean, it must have been a little while since you've been to Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, it has been a little while now. Um, I think uh, we had we had something planned, uh, sort of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, and then. You know, all the COVID stuff was going on, so uh, all the best laid plans sort of went awry a bit. But uh, yeah, it's been a little while since I've been there, I must admit. But it's a lovely place. I love it there. It it's, is, isn't uh, it? Mm. There's, there's so much stuff to do, not only in Brisbane itself, but also uh, it's it's easy to, to shoot out and uh, explore what lies beyond, you know. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, lot of interesting stuff there, yeah. for sure. And just uh, well, uh, go on. Can I just say, well, I feel a bit, I feel a bit embarrassed when I'm there. I went for a river walk along the river with my friend Brad. Oh yes, and, yes. Um, you know, there's there's cats passing up and down the river, and he was saying that his mum came to visit, and you know, she'd paid a few dollars and spent the day going up and down the river on the 
fast cats looking at this site and that site. So just just to explain to listeners, by. we're talking about cat buses, not not cat, oh, not felines no, wandering no, up and about, down the river. I'm, no, sorry, I'm talking about, <laughs> sorry, I'm talking about ferries, the fast ferries. Fast ferries, well, there you go, <laughs> sorry, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes, ferries up and down the river, um, very, very inexpensive. So for a visitor, it, you can sort of see the best of Brisbane by mm. buying a day ticket, which is a, literally a few dollars, and jumping on these um, fast ferries which go up and down the river. And just connect the place. And beside the river, there's just very flat walkway. So everything's, you know, sort of paved and boardwalked. Uh, so it's a tremendous place for people to visit. People, also people with accessibility issues or mm. like a bit of a flat surface. A great place to visit and walk. Um, so j- and just getting around Brisbane as a visitor is such a pleasure to be on the river, which we don't certainly don't have in Perth. No, it's funny you should say that, Stephen, because I was talking to a, a relative who sort of recently arrived here in Perth and uh, we're talking about sea. And, uh, you know, we used to have a, a lot of river cruises that went up, you know, the, to the Swan Valley and so on, but it seems to have sort of uh, faded a little bit, the, the options there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at one stage there was a, a public a ferry going up and down the river as far as Crown and, you know, down to Fremantle, but mm. sort of didn't work. And we've never really cracked that, have we? So, so oh, and also, also that used to be yeah. up to the Swan Valley, they seem to have sort of gone, well, certainly off my radar a little bit. Which uh, is a shame because yeah. it's a beautiful, uh, but, it's a beautiful trip. Yeah, exactly. It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So if, someone might, wants to, wants to, if someone wants to sort of, of uh, get those ones moving again, that would be really good. Thanks for the advice. It's good to have you home. <laughs> no, no, it's excellent. Yeah, it's right. excellent. It's, Stephen, yeah, I, I was going to... There's, there's a market there. Oh, there absolutely is a market there. <laughs> You know, in all seriousness. Yeah. And Stephen, I was going to ask you, and this is just maybe maybe a note to finish on, um, going back to that experience we had in, in York on Sunday afternoon, you, you, you've been quite eloquent um, subsequently talking about the reader engagement and that level of engagement and how someone there was so surprised that these, you know, total strangers or seemingly strangers walked in and immediately yeah. started engaging with us like, well, particularly you, like we were old friends, you know. It's incredible, isn't it? And that's because yeah, they, look, they read was, us. Was, they read us every week. Yeah, I was so thrilled that you, you kind of invited me to do that at the Professor Will. Um, um, you know, people had come from, well, three, four hours away um, for this, a lot of people had driven, you know, a couple of hours really on a lovely sunny day to come and see this, um, hear this sort of word and music performance. Will plays classical guitar and played on Sunday. It was it was the standout of the day for me. Oh, very kind. And um, a wonderful afternoon tea and fresh scones and sandwiches. But as you say, it's so interesting. Um, it was interesting that Mike Bryant commented on this to me, mm. that uh, our readers have such a long relationship with those readers that even if we've never met them face-to-face face, face before, mm. there's this feeling in the room that we're all old friends, which is just what it felt like as we were doing these pieces. And we were talking about France, and we were talking about Italy, and we were talking about terroir and wine and food and meeting people. So it's very appropriate looking out over Mike and Joe's um, great vines there in the beautiful spot in, in York. Um, 
But yeah, the, the, I was so grateful that uh, so many people came, and so grateful for the sort of you know the, the wonderful feeling in the room that bonded mm. me that we we get with our. Uh, no, it was really beautiful and in a great way. Like it was, I mean, yeah. even though the festival doesn't start until twenty third, twenty fourth of September, that that was officially the first festival event. So I'm hoping it um, it's a good indication of, of how the rest of the festival goes because it was really beautiful. It's, it's all up, it's all uphill from there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the moment, I'm thinking it's quite possibly all downhill, but <laughs> we shall see. Anyway, give myself a free plug, yorkfestival.com.au. Tickets are on sale now, a lot of free stuff. And you guys are going to be doing a couple of photo walks with phones for the first time in York, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, we about. are. We are. Yeah, that'll, be, that'll be exciting because, I mean, it is always nice, as, uh, as you guys have just spoken about, you know, to to get out of the city and uh, mm. meet, you know, the, our readers and, and uh, uh, you know, for us to explore a different place is, is always nice. So it'll be terrific. <laughs> Moans and I did a photo walk in Northern quite recently. I'm going to turn my volume down. I, as we got everyone together to start the photo walk, Siri suddenly said, I can't find any listings for massages in your in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> it was like completely out of the blues. It was one of the most embarrassing moments. Yeah. <laughs> you sure you sure that wasn't your it wasn't your Siri history? That is embarrassing. I hope it doesn't happen in York. Uh, well, I hope it doesn't because one, the second walk is a family walk where we're going to try and get kids to come on. So I really hope that doesn't happen in York. <laughs> I'll have the volume turned down, boys. Yeah, and I look yeah. from memory, I think they're on the 24th, both of those walks. Uh, so Saturday, the 24th of September. Have we still got the spots on those, Will? Do you know? We do. Because the tickets okay. only went, went on sale on Friday night, you know, right. we're still looking in pretty good shape. Jump in there. So, so jump online <laughs> and book, yes. Well, Will and I just did photo walks in Albany and, you know, the, the response, we, we know from our, the people's reactions, we're not blowing our own horns, but, you know, it, it's two hours full on and it's quite amazing what you can get out of a serious phone camera in your I pocket. I think so, so yes. If, you know, even if you're in person, it'd be great to come up and, and view somewhere else. You know, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and and don't yeah. don't don't, don't sure. be shy to bring a normal camera. We're not we're not closing it off. If you just if you'd rather use a camera, am I right in saying that? Yeah, just bring a camera along. No, know. no, absolutely, mm. absolutely. You can bring a sketch pad if you want. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> we, have only, we have only got two hours, and I just want to do lightning sketches. We'll take anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's been really great catching up with both of you. It's been it feels like it's been a long time. Um, as we've always said, you can read us Saturday and Sunday in the West Australian, the Sunday Times, online, west.com.au, e-travel every Wednesday, and right here on the Podwell Travelled, which comes out every Tuesday afternoon. Great, and I'll talk to you from France next week. Oh, rubbing Lucky it in. <laughs> talk, 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 talking to Moans from, from bloody, where was he? Somewhere in Greece, and now talking yeah. to you from France. It's, it's a bit well, much. You know, it's yeah, bit what's much. going on, Will? When are, when <laughs> yeah. are you going? <laughs> he, just, he just had a day out in York. We just heard all about it. That's what someone, <laughs> uh, someone jokingly said. He said, oh, well, you know, you get to come to York. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. And it is, it is beautiful. Nice mm, and very nice <laughs> too. Okay, guys, well, you have a great day and we'll, we'll catch up again soon.